Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I'm going to jump right into it. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, uh, I just want to provide a little bit of context because I, I truly believe it's one thing to, to read God's word on its surface level, but it's another thing to study it and to understand what's really happening. And I think it's important for God's people to be studiers of his word. And uh, so the book of Ephesians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul was sent by God to go ahead and, and plant churches all throughout the Mediterranean, all, all, all across Eurasia, and the space specifically now that we know is Turkey. And the Apostle Paul, this is actually, he's writing to this church, one of the first ones that he planted. And theologians believe that this was written between 60 to 62 AD. So this means that he wrote this while he was in Roman, while he was a Roman prisoner. So imagine, he's writing this while he's in prison. He's writing this to the church. And what makes this letter a little different, because he he wrote other letters to other churches. That's where we get the book of Philippians and Corinthians and Galatians and so on. What makes this letter a little bit different from the others is that Paul isn't really trying to rebuke the church. Meaning, the reason why he wrote Corinthians, for example, is because he heard that there was some stuff going on that he wasn't really proud of. Like, there was a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. Like, he was just basically trying to put them in check and, like, get them back in line. Right? But where Ephesians comes in is Paul, he's not rebuking them at all. Instead, he's actually saying, you guys are doing a great job. And the purpose of the, of the book of Ephesians was to expand the horizons, to expand the way of thinking of the church at Ephesus. Because basically, they were, they were killing it with everything that they had to do as far as making church happen and reaching, reaching their area and so on. But he wanted to expand their way of thinking to now think of everything from the perspective of eternity. Like he was, it was more cosmic in nature. So his goal again was to open their eyes to the, to the un, unseen world. And also how, how does that relate to our day-to-day lives? Like how should your family be raised? How, how should your marriage be modeled? How, how should the church make a difference wherever you're at? So that's, that's the purpose of this book. And what we're going to be reading out of right now in chapter 6 is right towards the end of the letter. So this is, Paul has already gone through everything saying, hey, this is how X, Y, Z needs to be. And then what we're going to pick up is pretty much like his conclusion. It's like his one last little mic drop. Like that's, that's all he wanted to do and leave him with this. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is where we're going to pick up, at least in my Bible. It's, uh, the heading is called the armor of God. And we're going to read about seven verses. You guys good? Yeah. All right, cool. So let's read. This is the Apostle Paul writing. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Like already there, underline it, highlight that. Be strong in the Lord and in what? His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, once again, what do we do? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, which I'm gonna take a quick pause right here. If you guys notice, we just read within a matter of a sentence, three times Paul is saying, stand firm. Like, here's one thing for all of us to know about the Bible. Whenever something is repeated, it's to, it's to pretty much bring e- uh, emphasis and it's also to communicate significance. So again, stand firm. Let's, re- let's 
going to explain that in a few, but just remember that part. Again, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then verse 17, and we'll... Uh, We'll close out our reading with this is take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love it. I love these seven verses. It's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but so profound. And I really want us to unpack this a little bit and, and really dive into what God's word is saying and how that can apply to our lives. So if you are writing notes, which I hope you are, God loves it when his people write notes. And if you are writing notes, I am gonna speak out of a message that I've titled from birdie to bogey, from birdie to bogey. And there's a few people laughing, so you know what's up. And don't worry, I'll explain this in a little bit. Uh, but before we continue, let's go ahead and let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and let's ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that we get to come here and worship you, Jesus, to learn from you, God, to just be in your presence, Lord. God, I pray that you would just have your way in the service, have your way through this message, Jesus. May it not just be another 30-minute talk about good people, skills, and call it Christianity. God, we need an encounter with you, Lord. May your Holy Spirit minister this however you seem fit, and may it land on every heart however you seem fit, God. So, Lord, have your way in our lives, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And all of God's people said, and all of God's people said, amen. Come on, make some noise for Jesus one more time. I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I've mentioned this off a of platform a few times. I know Pastor Alex has mentioned this too, but uh, I recently picked up the sport of golf. And uh, here, here's, here's the thing. I got the golf bug. Like, I am, I am obsessed with the sport. Like, just to, any, any golfers in the house? Any golfers? Anybody? Yes? Okay, we got a few. We got a few. All right, cool, cool. We got a few golfers here. So here's the thing about our church. We're a golf church now. Um, so, <laughs> like, 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 our Vision Sunday theme was, like, Dream Again, but it's Dream Again and golf. Like, that's just, that's just I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page here. Uh, but I am obsessed with golf. I try to play at least two to maybe three times a week, depending on my budget, because golf can be expensive. And... Um, and so I'm playing, I'm playing a lot. I, I, I think I have like borderline addiction. So uh, I may have to be at CR on a Monday for, for golf, of all things. And uh, see, Seth, hey, shout out to Seth, man. I love you, man. But, but here's, here's the thing about golf. I, again, I try to play it very often. And, and as far as how my schedule works is on Thursdays, I, we, some of us, we have a little bit of a later date. So we come in around noon or around 1 p.m. because we're here until about maybe 9 or 10 p.m. at night. So on Thursdays, part of my routine is I'll try to get in around a golf in the morning before I have to come into work. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month, two months ago, uh, I, I come into work and I'm greeting everyone. I'm like, hey, how's everybody doing? All this. And I end up going to our finance office, which that's like, just, just as a heads up, that's the room. Like, that's the spot for me. I go in there and that's just like girl talk. I specialize in it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, that's the place where you just like, we have the deepest conversations. Like, it's the, it's the best time. That's the best room in the church, uh, you know, other than the sanctuary. But um, so I'm there and then we're talking. And here's the thing about me. Sometimes I, I say things sarcastically and that's just like, that's just my language. Sometimes I speak very sarcastically and I was making a joke to one, to one of our staff members. And uh, we're, in the, we're in a deep, deep convo, by the way. And I just go, hey, um, here's the thing I've learned about life. Um, golf is a lot like life. And I said that super sarcastic, but it's one of those things where I think God was like trying to, trying to show me like, hey, like, Actually, it is. Like, I feel like I had an epiphany that day. I haven't been able to shake it since. 
So if there's anything I've learned about golf is that it's a lot like life, all right? And, I, and I'm going to explain that in a second. So for those that don't know golf, who don't know anything about golf, let me give you a quick synopsis on the sport in less than a minute. You ready? All right. So the game of golf, the, 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 goal, the goal of golf is to hit a ball with a club from point A to point B. And basically you go to a course that has 9 to 18 holes. So 9 to 18 different areas that you have to hit the ball from point A to point B. And then on each one of these holes, they have what's called a par. A par is the most amount of times you're supposed to hit the ball to get it from point A to point B. So say, for example, if you're playing a hole and the par is four, that means you have to hit the ball at most four times to reach the goal from point A to point B. But here's the thing, that doesn't always happen. Like if you get par, you are tiger, you're Tiger Woods. Like you're, you're a beast at golf, right? But every now and then, like you have those... I, I would say these spurts of luck because you get, you get what's called a birdie, which is hitting the ball one time less than the goal. So again, on that same hole, that's four. If I hit it three times and I get the ball from point A to point B, then that means I got a birdie, which birdies are special. Like you want to celebrate a birdie. Like I think a birdie is more important than a kid's birthday. Like that's just, that's just like, I, I, I still haven't gotten one yet. So pray for me. I'm like, I'm on the verge of it. All right. But then on the opposite side of that, if you hit the ball more than the goal, that's what's called a bogey. So on that same hole that had a par four, if I hit it five times, that's a bogey. And then it keeps on adding up after that because chances are you're not going to just go one over. You're going to go like five. <laughs> like that's, that's, just, that's just what happens. And when it comes to golf, the reason why I say it's similar to life is because when I go out there on, the, on like the golf course, I feel like I'm going to battle. Like, and I know it sounds a little dramatic, but like you have to come, you have to come in prepared. Like, there's the things that you can't control. So when I, when I go to play golf, the, I have to get in the mindset of, like, which version of me is going to show up today? Is it going to be when I first started playing where I'm just, like, hitting, like, 13, 13 times on, like, a hole that only requires three? Or is it going to be, like, right now me where I'm still getting at least a double bogey? Like, I have, you have, that's a question I have to prepare myself for and I have to ask, right? Those, those are the things that we can control. Similar to life, right? When we wake up in the morning and we feel like we're in an uphill battle against time, against everything else that, that comes our way, we have to ask ourselves, which version of me is going to show up today? Is it going to be 2021 me or is it going to be 2015 me? Right? Like, and I still deal with that to this day. There's days where I wake up, I'm like, man, I'm gonna, I, I, I feel like I'm doing well in 2021. Like 2021, Adam, he's like, he's a respectable human being. Uh, but every now and then, 2013, Adam likes to creep up. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't, right? So those are the questions we have to constantly ask ourselves, right? We have to go in, we have to start off our day already in an uphill battle. And but those, those are the things that we can't control, right? Now let's talk about the things that we can't control. Right, so in golf, what you can't control is the weather. In golf, what you can't control is the condition of the, of the actual greens, of the, of the grass that's there. Right, because for example, the other day I go to play golf, and it was a beautiful day. Like, we all know South Florida weather, right? One, one minute it's raining, the next minute it's clear. It was a beautiful day. And I, was, I felt like I was playing like a god. Like, I was, I was killing it. I was like, yes, I got a par. I got, only got one bogey. Like, it wasn't, it was, I was doing really good. And by the time I made it to the fifth hole, I got poured on. And it was a thunderstorm. Like, I can't control that. Like, that's just part of the game. But then in life, for example, we have things that we can't control as well. Hear me out. For example, um, other people's attitudes. All right. You guys, you guys are with me here, right? Another thing we can't control, we can't control the economy, right? We can't control where Bitcoin is going. <laughs> we just can't. All right. We, we also can't control traffic for all my South Floridians here. Right? We're constantly fighting, we're constantly fighting against the traffic, 
against time, against everything else that's, that's going on around us. And again, that's why I say golf is a lot like life. <laughs> because again, you're, you're constantly fighting this battle. You're constantly going at it with, with things you can and things you can't control. And what happens is just like in life, we set really high expectations for ourselves. And we, and we say, hey, we're going to kill it this week. We're going to kill it today. I'm going to go ahead and hit my pars. I'm going to hit my bogeys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it at life today. But then what happens is we end up falling short time and time again, hitting bogey after bogey after bogey. And, and the thing is that when it comes to golf and life, we have to be super aware. Like we have to have a really heightened sense of awareness, awareness of ourselves, awareness of everything else going around us. Because if we don't, it's going to lead us to some trouble. Like, all right, hear me out. So all my husbands inside, inside the room here, for all the guys who are husbands or maybe even the guys that are boyfriends, have you ever, or has this ever happened to you, where your wife was upset at you and even though you asked, is everything okay? And she said nothing and you acted like everything was okay. How did that end up for you? I'll wait. <laughs> Not good at all, right? Okay, okay, here's another one. Maybe, maybe, uh, you planned out a, a phenomenal year. It's like the end of December and you already have your itinerary for the entire year. You're going to go traveling. You're going to kill it. Like you're going to lose 10 pounds this year. You're going to go, you're going to go to like five different countries. I don't know if you have the budget for that, shout out to you, by the way. But like, you're going to, you're going to go ahead and travel. You, you have an entire year planned out, but then like, you know, a global pandemic breaks out. <laughs> How does that work out? Okay. Another one, maybe, maybe, maybe you're a parent. And you bring your kid to church, you got your child dedicated, you bring them to youth group on Fridays, they're going to camp, but yet you don't really know what they're doing on social media or the friends that they're following and the accounts that they're following that's influencing them in the wrong way. How does that end up? Not, not good at all. See, I would say this, the big problem is that when we're unaware of the battles that we go through, we basically guarantee our defeat. When we're unaware of battles, of our battles, we guarantee our defeat. But that's why it's so important for us to take what the Apostle Paul is saying here, like to take it seriously. Because the Apostle Paul, he's making it very clear that we are in a spiritual, we are in spiritual warfare. See, remember, the whole point of, of, of what Paul is trying to communicate here is so that we can take our attention off of the physical world and take it to the unseen world. Again, the goal of the book was to expand the way of thinking of the believers. And, and really what, the, what Paul is again saying is that there is something real going on right now. Something that you don't... It's, it's hard, you can't even see it, but spiritual warfare is real. And, and I know this is like a topic that can come off as like a little mystic and a little spooky and a little weird sometimes, but that doesn't make it not real. And it's important for us to understand what's really going on around us. And the reason why he brings this up too is because we are, we are physical beings so that we automatically think what we can see is our enemy. He's trying to communicate to them that our enemy is not people. He's trying to communicate to us our enemy is not the policies of this world. It's, it's, not any, it's not anything of this world is not our enemy. And then also the resources that we use to combat this enemy cannot be found in this world. There is no law that can, there is no law that can be made that's going to stop sin. There is, no law that, there is no legislation that can be made that will, that will heal the condition of the human heart, which is prideful and sinful. Again, that's why it's important for us to understand what's really going on around us. See, for example, when, when we make people our enemy and when we try to rely on human resources, um, let, let's, let's, let's ask a series of questions here, right? Let, I'm, again, these are all rhetorical and you tell me uh, if this has ever worked for you. So has your emotions ever helped you make an important decision in life? That's gonna be a no, <laughs> all right? All right, um, has your words, has the things that you said um, ever won you an argument? Like legitimately, like you actually won, like you actually benefited your life when you won the argument. 
This room's getting a little quiet. All right, so, okay, has your thoughts and your opinions ever helped you overcome a struggle in your life? No, right? Like, and if you, and if you have, then shout out to you. But the reality is for the most of us, again, we can't rely on physical human resources to combat what's really a spiritual battle. See, at the end of the day, we, we, we look at people and we see their attitudes and we see how, how we get hurt by them. It's like, you're a bad person. No, it's just, unfortunately, we live in a fallen world and we have a sinful nature. So I hate the sin, but you can't hate the sinner. And that's the model that God gives us, right? So that's what, but let's go back to the text here because the apostle Paul is not only saying that there's spiritual warfare going on, that your battle is not against flesh, but against the principalities of the air, against the dark forces at hand that we can't see. But more importantly, I love that not only does Paul point that out, but also there's certain equipment that you need so that you can overcome the, those battles. So that you, see, here's the thing. If you call on the name of Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You already have victory, right? Like shout out to Jesus that he already gives us the victory. But let's go back to the text. Three times he says, stand firm. So yeah, while we're waiting on him to return so that we can finally be at one with him and God in heaven, guess what? We're still here on earth. And there's still a battle going on. There's still a war going on. But again, he gives us tools so that we can persevere in that war. Although we already have the victory, there's plenty of times where we can feel like we're getting knocked on our butts over and over again. But again, we need to what? Stand firm. And he gives us specific tools. He gives us specific weapons to use. That's when he mentions the belt of truth, the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, all these different tools and equipment, these weapons that we need to overcome. I, I, I would say it this way. I will say this way, that, that we need the right weapons to win the battles of life. We need the right weapons to win the battles in life. We have to have the right tools, the right equipment, the right, the right arsenal to be able to overcome these battles that we deal with day in and day out. You need the correct weapons to overcome the, the battle of depression, the battle of sickness, the battle of poverty, the battle of loneliness, the battle of disunity in your family. You got to have the right weapons. Because while it may be happening in the physical, it's all rooted in the spiritual. But now let's talk about golf. <laughs> right? <laughs> you thought I was going to forget about that, huh? So here's the thing about golf. Again, like I mentioned, it's like a battlefield when I go out there. And for anyone who's familiar with golf, you have to have the right accoutrement. You have to have the right weapons. You have to have the right tools. And actually, Louis, if you can bring up my arsenal. So this is my, this is my club set, everybody. And uh, thank you, Louis. You're the best, man. Great man of God. Great hairline, amazing, amazing father. <laughs> so this is my club set. And here's the thing. What I have in this club set is not exhaustive. And the weapons we're given are not exhaustive. But here's the thing. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to the warfare I have on the golf course, there are fundamentals that you need. And that's what I want us to cover today are the fundamentals of the weapons that we need, for one, for golf, and then two, so that we can overcome these spiritual battles that we have. So the first one, is uh, when you first get on point A, right? When you're ready to hit the ball for the first time, you have a driver, right? And look at this, it's, it's robust. It's, this, is, this is sexy, like the driver is beautiful. See, the driver easily, like you can get the ball about 200 to 280 yards, easy. That's just, that's just what it doing its job, right? The driver is what you see on SportsCenter. What you see on SportsCenter is like people doing a, a good drive that went like 300 yards for all we know that it was perfect. See, driver is like, this is a heavy hitter right here. And what I would say is similar to the driver in our first spiritual, in our first spiritual weapon is our worship. See, 
our worship is a heavy hitter. You know what I mean? Like today, worship, come on, guys. Like that's, that's where it's at. Worship, worship is like our highlight reel. Like whenever we have like church news spots and we have like what's called B-roll, which is the background video, like you're going to see people in worship because that's like, that's where it's at. It's a heavy, which there's nothing wrong with that because Psalm 100 tells us to shout with joy unto the Lord because he made us and we're his and because his goodness endures forever, right? There's nothing wrong. Worship is phenomenal. That's why it's an important thing. That's why we need it in our weaponry. But here's the thing. Worship is not just when we come in on a Sunday and sing. It's not just listening to the hill song or whatever like worship team you want to listen to or like upper room. I don't know, whichever one. It's, that's not what it is. Worship is, is how we live our lives. Worship is living in obedience to what God has commanded us to do. Worship is living an integral life. That's why Paul even mentions the, the belt of truth. That's living an integral life. So like, for example, when we have dream team members that show up every single Sunday at 7 a.m. or at 6.30 a.m., guess what? That's worship. When we have people that don't lie on their taxes, come on, <laughs> tax season is over. Well, shout out to Vlad, man. We find out he's an accountant after tax season. All right, so when you, don't, when, when you live your life in an integral way, that is worship. Just obviously, again, the heavy hitters when we come in and we sing and, you know, it's beautiful. We're here, we're screaming our lungs out. We're doing the Christian pancake dance. I don't know, whatever it is, you lift up your hands. I don't know, whatever works for you. But, but here's the thing about it. Worship, again, is not just that. And worship can, can easily be done wrong. All right, so here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's the analogy I'm going to go back to, right? The driver, right? So here's the thing about the driver. You have, to, you have to have a specific stance. You can't hit it like you do every other club. It has to be in the front of your stance. You have to keep your right shoulder down if you're right-handed. And then from there, you keep, keep your head down at all times. And the driver, like, if you don't hit it that way, you're going to mess up. And what's going to happen is you're going to do what's called a slice, which means it's going to go high. It's going to go far. But it's not going to go straight. It's going to go to the right or the left. So you think you're doing it right, but in reality, you're not. And that's the thing about our worship sometimes, that if you only do it on a Sunday, you're not doing it right. If, if, you, if you're listening to worship songs that says, me, 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 more than you, 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 you're not doing it right. If you're, if you're coming in on a Sunday singing your lungs out to God, but then you're lying to your spouse or you're cheating on your spouse, guess what? You're not doing it right. You're not worshiping how God wants to be worshiped. You're, See, again, it's so much more than just the songs that we sing, but it is powerful. But we have to do it the right way. I actually love how Jesus, he says that how God wants to be worshipped because God has a personality and God has preferences and God has a specific way in which he wants to get worshipped. And I love how Jesus communicates this in John chapter 4 when he's speaking to the Samaritan woman. We'll be reading it out of the Amplified Translation. It says, but a time is coming and it's already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. And from the spirit is from the heart, from the inner self. And in truth, for the father seeks such people to be his worshipers. God is spirit, the source of life, yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, God doesn't just want lip service. He doesn't, like, he doesn't, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want you saying one thing and do something else. We got to worship him in a way that, again, he wants to be worshipped, which is in spirit and in truth in the way that we live. But worship is powerful. Worship is like when you're going through a bad time, when you're like, say right now, if you're struggling with addiction and you're struggling with bad habits, I don't know, whatever it is that you're doing, we can come in here on a Sunday and sing songs like, there is power in the name of Jesus. To what? To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Maybe you see your world crumbling beneath you. Then we can come in on a Sunday or we can pull up our, or whatever streaming service you use, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music, to listen to a song like, I will build my life 
upon your love. It is a... Look at that. See, and there's just something that when we declare these words, that it just does something in our spirit. It does something in our heart. It does something in our demeanor that it takes our attention off of our small, off of our small problem, which it may not be small to you, but in, re- in comparison to Almighty God, it just puts the focus on Him. It magnifies His mightiness, His powerful. Like our worship takes our attention off our circumstance and puts it onto Him. So the second weapon that we have, and this is what this is what I would say is probably one of my favorites, but so here's what we call an iron. And as you can see, I have a bunch of them. I have a bunch of irons, right? And the iron is basically what gets you through the course. And maybe you have heard the term like a four iron or a five iron or six iron. Basically, the lower the number, the further the ball should go if, you know, you hit the club right. And an iron basically gets you through the course. An iron is what's going to keep you moving forward. An iron, when you hit it right, when you do it right, is what's going to keep you pressing on. And it's going to get you, like, say if you, say if you, 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 you drove the ball and it went to the right and iron is going to help you get back on track and you're going to be encouraged when you hit it right. So what I'm going to say is similar to an iron when it comes to our spiritual weapons is community. I'll say it this way, God-centered community. Because when it, comes to our, when it comes to the community around us, that's when we're going through a tough time, when we're, when we're struggling maybe with old habits that die hard. Our community is going to be the one to get alongside of us. Our community is going to be the one to lift us up. Our community is going to be the one to remind us that we're not who we were and we are who we are now, which is a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's our community that's going to be there, God-centered community that's going to be there with you to speak life into you. That's why we have connect groups. CG.CalvaryConnect.com. Like, that's why we have connect groups here, because we're passionate about that. We truly believe that life shouldn't be done alone. And it's almost impossible to play a good game of golf without an iron. And it's almost impossible to live an integral life without community. You can try to, you can try to like maneuver your way around and all that, but it's not being done right. We need community. We need people around us that are going to help us grow to encourage us. And no pun intended, but Proverbs 27 says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need one another. We need community. We need to not do life alone. And that's a weapon that we have at our disposal. Our third weapon here, and uh, this one, it looks similar. And it kind of acts somewhat similar to, to the first one because it does lift us up. But this is, it's similar to an iron, but this is called a wedge. So, right, there's different types of wedges. There's a pitching wedge, a sand wedge, a loft wedge. There's so many different kinds. But you're, you are going to need a wedge in your arsenal. Because a, a wedge is, say, for example, you drove the ball, you drove it well, and you hit your iron well, but then you ended up in sand or you ended up in mud. Like you're in a very like sticky situation there. Your wedge is what's going to get right under it and get you out of a tough spot. And what I will say is similar to our wedge that it's a lifesaver. Our third spiritual weapon is prayer. Prayer. Like prayer is life changing. Like me personally, my own life, I am a product of what prayer can do. Because while I was broken up with my ex-girlfriend for about a year and a half, my now mother-in-law, because I got back with her and we got married, my now mother-in-law, she prayed for me every single day that I would have an encounter with Jesus and that he would use me. So I'm here today to tell you boldly that prayer changes lives. See, but here's the thing about prayer. Again, you got to do it right. Because a lot of us, we, we think of prayer as like, you know, God's a genie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say, dear Lord, I need you again. Can you hook me up with a new car? Can you hook me up with a new job? And, and look, here's the reality. God's not a genie. He's not waiting on our beck and call or anything like that. God knows what he wants. God, God wants to bless you. 
And part of the reason for prayer is for us to acknowledge him as a source. It's to humble ourselves and say, God, yeah, I want a new car, but Lord, if it's your will, let it be. And God, I know there's nothing I can do, no budgeting I can do that's gonna give this, for, that's gonna give this to me, but instead it's gonna be your plan and your will and your divine appointment that you have for me, right? See, prayer, prayer is so special. It's like that divine communication between almighty God and humanity. Like we sang that song earlier, what a beautiful name. It said the veil tore before you. There is no separation now that we can come boldly to the throne. Like it's a beautiful thing what prayer is. And when we do it right, it basically aligns us back into God's plan. Again, the pitching wedge gets us back into the fairway, gets us back in the game. Prayer will get us back in the game. When Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your what? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's before he even asks anything. Before, give us our day, our daily bread. Sometimes we start off with that. No, 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 God, may, my number one prayer every single morning is, God, may my prayers be aligned to your will. May you, may you calibrate my heart with yours, Jesus. We need, we need to utilize this. And I'm not gonna lie, prayer is like, just like the wedge, it looks kind of similar to everything else, and it's really not like the it's not like the sexiest thing to do and to play. Like you're never gonna see on Sports Center someone who hit a wedge really good. Like it's pretty pretty rare. Like for me, my prayer life, I, I I have such a short attention span that I can't really pray for like half an hour on a regular basis, like just in one shot. But instead, I make sure that I do it within like two minutes, three minutes first throughout an entire day. So you got to find what works for you, but you have to utilize that weapon when you're about to go in a meeting. Pray before it. When you're about to meet somebody new, pray before that encounter that God would use you in that moment, that he would give you the words to say, that he would give you a sensitivity to his Holy Spirit to give you discernment so that you can speak life into someone. Prayer is so necessary. But again, this, it's just that for me, I just can't shake that the creator of the universe creates a space where I can speak to him. Almighty God, like almighty God, the creator just so powerful, so mighty, but yet he wants to hear from me. He wants to hear from you. That's why I love what it says in, in Hebrews chapter four, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, God is not too big that he doesn't hear you, even your, what you would call your smallest request, but he's also not so small that, he's not, that your biggest request is gonna overwhelm him. He is almighty. He just wants us to acknowledge him as the source. This is similar to that, to that helmet of salvation, to that breastplate of righteousness. Prayer saves our lives. It gets us back in the game. So the last weapon that we have here, and this is like when you're ready to seal the deal, right? When you're ready to like, you, you got the ball on what's called the green. You're about to get the ball in point, in point B, right? This is a putter. And uh, as you can see, it's probably the ugliest of all the of all the clubs. Like it's not the most attractive. It's not the ugliest, but it's not the most attractive. Let's be real, right? This is nobody. It's very seldom you'll see a highlight reel of putts. Like that's just it, it ain't gonna happen, right? But this is probably the most important tool in your weaponry because you can drive the ball really good, and you can hit your irons phenomenally, and you can wedge, you can hit your wedge, and you're killing the game. But if you're right in front of that hole and you can't putt good, guess what? You're gonna turn your birdie into a bogey. And the spiritual weapon that I will compare this to, and, and uh, Lewis, you can go ahead and take the bag and the band can come up on stage. The spiritual weapon I will compare this to is scripture. Scripture. 
That's our most important weapon that we have. Scripture is the, it's the most powerful thing that we have because it's in Scripture where we learn about God's character. It's in Scripture that we learn about how mighty God is. It's in Scripture where we get to know who Jesus is. See, again, you can do everything else right. You can be in five connect groups. You can go ahead and listen to Hillsong on repeat every single day. You can go ahead and make sure that you pray for an hour in your prayer closet or wherever you pray at for like, like three hours. I don't know, whatever works. You want to be on a prayer marathon, go for it. But if you don't know scripture, those prayers aren't based in truth. If you don't know scripture, that connect group is just a social meeting. If you don't know scripture, those songs are just lyrics. And for that, just listen to a Bruno Mars song. Like, if you want to listen to a love song, like, you get what I mean? Like, prayer is so important. It's our most important weapon. See, and, and if you notice from the text that we read, so, I mean, scripture, I'm sorry, scripture is the most important. And if you, you notice from the text that we read, that's the only offensive weapon that was there. It was the sword of the spirit. Everything else was like a, a, a helmet. Everything else was a belt, some shoes. Like, this is an offensive weapon. Hebrews, Hebrews says that it's sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't punch the devil. He didn't run away. No, no, no. You know what he did? He quoted scripture to him. He kept on saying, it is written. Scripture is what extinguishes those fiery arrows of the enemy. Again, it's in scripture where we learn who God is. We, we learn of his love for us. We learn in John 3.16 that he so loved the world, that he sent Jesus for us. We learn that. We learn that therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Like it's in, it's in scripture that we learn God's promises for us. It's, and that's so important for us to remember. It's so important for us to not only just be readers, but studiers and to remember God's, his word over our lives because it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 where maybe you feel like you're going back to bad habits, but you are reminded that you are therefore a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's whenever you're going through a hard time and you feel lonely, it's in Deuteronomy 3, 16 where you learn that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's in, it's in those times where maybe like you feel like you're getting beat up. You have, no, you have no vision for your future. But it's in Jeremiah 29, 11, where you're reminded that you have a hope and a future for your life. Not plans to harm you, but plans to prosper you. It's in Scripture where we learn that we feel like the world is against us. But guess what? In Isaiah 54, it says, there is no weapon for that the force that can come against you. And more importantly, where maybe you feel like you have no hope in life and you feel like you're just surrounded by pain every single day. It's in Revelation 21 where we're reminded that he will wipe away every tear. There will be no pain. There will be no sin. God, we got, we got, we got to remember scripture. We got to, we got to imprint this in our heart. I love how in Psalm 119 it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Because when we remember God's word is when, is when we remember how we're supposed to live. Is when we get into God's word, when we use scriptures, where we can identify, hey, this isn't me. This isn't what God has for me. Instead, he has so much more. We have, remember our four weapons, right? It's, it's worship, it's, it's community, it's prayer, it's, it's scripture. It's worship, it's community, it's prayer, it's scripture. It's worship, it's community, it's prayer, it's scripture. And that's how we're going to be able to overcome the battles of this world. And if we can all just stand to our feet. 
We're going to close up service right now. And before we do, I, I just want to get, really give an opportunity for anyone in here, or maybe you hear this message and you thought the whole golf analogy was cool, but you still feel far from God. You feel that these weapons that were given were, they're hard for you to grasp. Friend, I just wanna remind you that you're just a decisional way of being able to utilize every single weapon available to you. So if we can all just like close our eyes and bow our heads, I really wanna create a moment of space for concentration and privacy. And you know, the thing about golf too is in order to get better, you have to be all in. Like you can't have, you can't just play once a month. You have to like go to the driving range. You have to immerse yourself into the sport if you wanna get better. There has to be consistency. And that's the same way with our spiritual relationship with Jesus is that you can't be one foot in, one foot out for this to work. You have to go all in. I will encourage you to immerse yourself in it. See, and also in golf, there's this term called a mulligan. And the mulligan is basically you get like, say if you took a shot and it wasn't good, you get a free repeat. It's a do-over. And in Christ Jesus, he gives us the ultimate mulligan because he paid for our sins. See, the Bible tells us that, that we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of God's grace and, and of his righteousness. Every single one of you, every single, even myself included, there's not a human alive that, is, that has not sinned. But because God knows that we can never achieve that standard on our own, that's why he sent Jesus. Because the wages of sin is death. So Jesus came to earth, lived a blameless life, and he died for our sins. He gave himself up on the cross. He was embarrassed, he was brutalized, he was stabbed, he was spat on. And he did it all with joy, knowing that all we had to do was believe in him and who he was. And see, Jesus being all God and all men, what he did after he, was, after he died on that cross, he rose again three days later. And the Bible tells us all we need to do is have a simple act of receiving, of reception of that free gift of forgiveness. That if we declare with our mouths and believe in our heart that he is Lord and that he rose again, we will be saved and spend eternity with him. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, what I want to do is on the count of three, I'm going to, I'm going to ask if you could put your hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just want to acknowledge who I'm praying for. And if that's you and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, you want to accept that free gift of forgiveness, on the count of three, you can put your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. Three, if that's you, you can put your hand right up. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Amen. And with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, what I want to do, if you made that decision, I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's a repeat after me prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor or a church. It's a prayer to God. And I just want to make it as easy as possible. Because we're a family here at Calvary, we're all going to say it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am healed, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, come on, church, can we give a round of applause for everybody who made that decision today? Amen. Hey, if, if you made that decision today, I just want to say congratulations. I think it's the best decision you could have ever made. 
And while I can't promise your life will be easy, I, I can't promise you this, you have the perfect one with you. And also you have a community here with you to be alongside of you. That we can utilize those, those, those weapons, right? Worship, community, prayer, and scripture. But again, it all starts with scripture. So if you have, hey, if I can get this, please. If you made that decision, I wanna give you a free Bible, right? We wanna be able to gift this to you. It's free 99. You're gonna see people as soon as you walk out of the building holding this up and we wanna give this to you. And maybe you have a Bible or you have the Bible app somewhere in your phone, it's okay. You don't have this one. This one has notes. So please get your hands on one of these because again, it's in scripture. We learn his promises. We learn his nature and we learn his goodness. And if you made that decision and you're watching online, you can go ahead and text the word decided to 33222 and we will send one out to you in the mail in just a few days. But church, come on, can we give a round of applause one more time for everybody who made that decision? I hope, I hope this message blessed you all and I hope that we can go about our week remembering the weapons we have in our arsenal. But we're gonna close out seeing in hindsight, we're gonna throw a party one more time. But before we do, let me pray for your week and then we will enjoy our day. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us and for us, God. Bless every single person under the sound of my voice. Bless their week, God. May you provide for them and protect them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.